1: Brian Duff joining us. You see him on MSG during Sabre season. You hear him on the Fan Rochester. On the call tonight with Don Stevens-Duffer. Thanks for making some time for us, man. Appreciate it.
0: No problem. How's it going? Well, we're gonna be just kind of sitting by the radio tonight, listening to you and Don. This is great. <laughs> this is what you want this time of year—a team in a deep uh, run. Before we ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, tonight and the opponent and your, your thoughts, I mean, Brian, your thoughts on, you know, what you saw, what, what, what you heard, everything about the Amhersts coming back and doing uh, essentially the reverse sweep of Syracuse and how they were able to, you know, just pull. The Side whatever bad happened uh, in game five and find a way to actually win in an overtime.
2: Yeah, I'm not, I mean, it's never how you want to script it, but I mean, we almost every day on our daily show talk about the fact that, you know, two and three and sometimes four goal leads are just almost um, insignificant. I know that sounds crazy to say, but we just, we see. Massive comebacks all the time, and the one thing that has really plagued the Emirates this year, despite I think you know tremendous um, opportunity and improvement from so many of the young players over the course of the year, was they've had tough third periods almost the entirety of this year. Um, so for that to appear in the most critical game when they were up four one again, it's not surprising. It's really hard to stem the tide in just the way the game is played now. It's so fast and unpredictable that it's it's very 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 hard to lock it down. I think Toronto maybe showed one of the best examples of it last night against Florida, but yeah. you don't see that you know particularly often. And I was just really impressed that you know basically how Seth Appert talked about you know, that intermission between the third and overtime and how he was able to, you know, reset the guys. And, and, and it's still, you know, it's still a little bit of roller derby out there once the overtime gets going. I mean, a bad bounce. And, I mean, Syracuse had a partial breakaway, the puck rolled off the stick. Um, you know, it could have gone a different way. But at the end of the day, this was very reminiscent of of last year in some ways with their – you know incredible road victory in game five against utica and I just think that these are all pretty impressive character building moments for whichever age group you want to focus on on the team. I mean you can give a lot of credit to the leadership you can give a lot of credit to the you know the twenty three to twenty five crowd and now this this group has players far younger than that and uh, and they've been leading the way i mean <laughs> You know, Yuri Kulik is looking to make it four straight games with a goal
1: tonight. Yeah, Brian Duff uh, joining us here in the Sports Bar. You can hear him alongside Don Stevens tonight on the call as the Amricks are in Toronto for game one of their series, their best of five series against the Marlies. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the play of Michael Mersch so far this postseason, because he's kind of like this X factor, the leader of the team, the captain of the team, the guy that wasn't a part of the run last year at this time, Brian.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously he got wiped out by injury and in that uh, really brutal hit from behind um, against Utica halfway through the series. And, you know, Mersh actually already is having the second best postseason of his AHL career. His His first one was as a true rookie in the AHL when he led Manchester to the Calder Cup and led the team in goals and points. And I think the greatest thing from Mersh, you know, from an organizational standpoint to latch on to Mersh and vice versa. um, He has been ultra consistent when in the lineup. And now, you know, I I suppose the surprising part, if you will, um, right now would be the fact that, you know, Mason Yopst, who hasn't had this opportunity has basically been the de facto number one center. If you look at Murray Yopst and Mersh is the top line and, and Mersh had such a terrific series. Obviously I was on the call with Don for game three, when they had to win, they had an eight-goal explosion against Syracuse with all of those goals in the final five minutes, and Mersh was a huge part of it. So um, he, I think we sometimes get – we maybe feel a little oversaturated with coach speak, when it, and not necessarily Seth Appert. I just mean coaches in general when they, they rhyme off the attributes of a player. But I think they're all very clear to see – with a guy like Murs and what he actually means to this, this group and especially the forward group, because it is so, so young.
0: Yeah, it, you're talking about 19-year-olds at the beginning of the season, and, and and I think that's one of the pleasant surprises here, Brian Brian Duff, uh, who will be on the call tonight with Don Stevens, seven o'clock from Toronto. Your thoughts on Isak Ruzin and Yuri Kulik, and how Brian, at least from where we sit, it doesn't seem like they're succumbing to any uh, playoff pressure, at least from the outsider.
2: No, not at all. I mean, I you talked every week with, with the coach and, and he has almost um without hesitation lumped Roseanne in with Kulik all year long saying don't let the statistics um paint the picture that, that Kulik is miles ahead here. Uh he feels like Roseanne has done everything possible in all areas to establish himself. Um you know let's not forget that for Lucas Rusek this is his first full season Yes, he's 24, but he has limited experience in the AHL. Tyson Kozak is 20. Uh, even, you know, Linus Weisbach is in his second year. So that's, it goes back to the importance of Mersh and and how they've been able to kind of, you know, put the rest of the guys in place beyond that top line. And I, I kind of love how it's all set up right now. The fact that, that Kozak has moved to the wing with Malone in the middle, I think has been a great benefit. You saw that in the first round with Kozak's contributions. Um, man, it is—it's it, impressive to see um, that they've been able to get contributions, you know, through all the lines. And that—and that's how the series turned. They were—they were pretty dry offensively, and a number of players kind of, you know, were a little cool down the stretch uh, you know, offensively for this team. So I feel like they've now re-engaged and. I'm excited to see this matchup with Toronto. They didn't play them a ton down the stretch and the Marlies were kind of home and cool for quite a while. So, um, and we, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but we all know the history between these two, which is not not in Rochester's favor. So uh, it would be nice to uh, get off on the right foot here tonight.
1: Duffer, what do you and Marty talk about on Sabres Live in terms of uh, Malcolm Subban and his play uh, so far this postseason? You know, it's, it's, it's clear that there's something special going on with him between the pipes with the Rochester Americans.
2: Well, hopefully that continues because obviously he's a Toronto guy and we've seen him have some nice moments here, um, you know, at, at the Coliseum. In During the course of the season, so um, Marty was actually at game Five in Syracuse and was talking about it on the show the other day that you know yes it's it's painful in the moment when you go through a four one lead disappearing, but if, from a technical standpoint, he was really, really impressed with Subban and you know the the, the forty four saves and just the calmness, if you will, but more of the structure, I think, making himself appear big. And, and Malcolm has, you know, the, that ability, but this, this kind of changed, obviously, after game three. The Amherst 185, it was not a well-played game by either netminder as it got away from both of them, you know, deep into the third period. But then Subban flipped the switch, got a shutout in game four, and came up with his, you know, second highest career playoff save total in game five um i think there's just a lot look he he hasn't had the opportunity to basically run the table as a number one in so long and i i think it's been it's been a welcome challenge he he's he is the number one and there's there's absolutely no disputing it and i i know there was some i don't know frustration i i suppose maybe without knowing the entirety of the picture you know, as it pertained to, would Lukanen come back to the yeah. squad for the playoffs? Um, I know technically the organization doesn't owe anything to Subban contractually or, you know, long term. But there are moments where I think organizationally you position yourself well when you reciprocate the good that someone provides. And Malcolm has done that both as a Sabre and an Amerk. And I think now the team is, is benefiting from that. So it's a, it's a really good story and probably because we focus so much on, on the youth. Um, it it perhaps gets overlooked a little bit. I'm glad you brought it up.
0: Yeah, I remember Malcolm last year for the Calder Cup run. Like, oh, he's here. He's coming down to support some of his teammates. I thought that was really cool. Another player that has a unique story is Lawrence Pilot and the fact that he gets the game winner, gets the puck in a great spot and buries it. Um, Your thoughts on on Pilot and the path he's taken to this point and – when we asked Seth Appert, uh, you know, the, you know, what would he be? Yeah, what yeah, he could be on my team any day, I think, was uh, his quote there. And we certainly know his contract would be up after this year. So, your thoughts on Lawrence Pilot and what future he might have with this organization, Brian?
2: Well, I mean, I think I think Lawrence is in the driver's seat there as far as where he's going to choose to go. Um, he's he's in that tough range now, where you, you may feel like the NHL dream has passed you by. He's 27 and only got 17 games with the Sabres this year, which was undoubtedly not his expectation. But you talked specifically, I talked directly with coach Appert um, earlier in the week. And of course, Seth obviously addressed the media at length the other day. And I had no idea that he was such a fan of what Pilot has done kind of behind the scenes this year. You know, Lawrence is not a physically intimidating player, um, but for the coach to really stress the leadership, um, the weight room, and, and kind of this almost obsession with it, um, I was I was surprised because it's human nature, I think, because we've seen it historically over time. It's just... Tough when your dreams kind of get altered and that's not to say that he wasn't going to appear to be giving his best when he came back to the AHL but I think it's hard I think it's really hard mentally and you know it didn't work out the first time that's why he went back to the, that's why he went to the KHL and and yet he came back and and even though the opportunity did not present itself fully the way he would have wanted he oh my gosh like the amount of minutes that he's playing with Ethan Prow right now, um, it's it's impressive. So I hope for Lawrence it's a springboard to something. He has been an absolute joy to be around since he arrived five years ago, and I, it's now in the big picture. It's probably not surprising, based on how the Defense Corps is structured, that that he would be a go-to guy. Duffer,
1: we're not wishing away an end of a season here, but you know it's it's so I'm so curious about how all the pieces fit together organizationally this off season. Uh, we we know where the Sabers are going to be drafting. We know that they're going to have a lot of decisions to make. Uh, Kevin Adams checklist this off season and how some of these pieces might fit into it when we talk about the Amricks that might be maturing into a role, much like we saw out of Quinn and Paterco last off season for next season in Buffalo.
2: Boy, it's really hard to answer right now. I I was, you know, personally knowing that, as you know, hosting a daily show, I was kind of putting off a little bit of this discussion, knowing that we're going to have at least two and a half months worth once the Stanley Cup playoffs and (laughs) to really, you know, uh, uh, build up to development camp, um, you know, the rookie tournament, and then obviously training camp. I still kind of want to see what's left in the tank for the group. Um, Honestly, the biggest, um, if you will, signings or re-signings that would shape the group would be if they bring back one of and or both Oppozo and Gergensons, because I think it's going to be really hard for other guys to find their way in. Will there be off season, movement, you know, like is Olafson someone that they would use? Sure, potentially, because it makes sense based on his age and what's still coming in the pipeline. But, like, is, is Yuri Kulik that far ahead of Matt Savoy right now? It's impossible to answer. They're not playing in the same league, but Savoy is dominating with the best team in the country, arguably, in the Canadian Hockey League, as they get set for the Western League Finals. So, I think it's going to be an unbelievable training camp, but I also am sitting here wondering, okay, what else could they do? I think our focus has been mostly on the blue line. yeah, And, you know, that's where you look at what presumably one singular ad. And and when you're looking at the defense score, I mean, it's one of six. I mean, that's, that's a large percentage of the group that you're going to put new faith in. And whether it's a player still playing, like I'm personally, I like Ryan Graves. I think his age, experience, potential contract situation, and the way the Devils are structured, I would think he would be available. Radko Gudis, much talked about his physicality. Why would he ever leave Florida at this stage of his career? I don't know. But if he became available, obviously. The fan base loves the, most people around the league like him because of his old-school mentality. But there's lots of guys like this, but I want to see how the playoffs play out to get a real gauge. And then, and then you also just have to, you know, see what term they're willing to take here. The, the, the challenge is through free agency is, is trying to get somebody on a shorter term and maximum value. Um, and if you have to overpay a little bit on short term, you just can't lock yourself in anymore because you have so many young players that are going to eat up a massive chunk of the cap within two years that you, you, you simply can't go three years with a lot of players anymore. So you you try to find a free agent that's willing to come on short-term, maybe with a little bit more, you know, more dough up front.
1: Brian, you mentioned earlier the the importance that Mursh has had in the locker room, the idea that he has his experience. He's won a Calder Cup, and that means something in that locker room to those guys. We know that the Sabres don't have that. They don't have anybody on the roster with a Stanley Cup. How much of an emphasis will that play in some of the decisions that they make here in the offseason?
2: Well, that's definitely why, or not definitely, but it's part of the reason why I want to see how all of this plays out, because what inevitably happens is whoever wins the cup usually ends up in cap situation. Hell, you know, like Colorado did last year. And I mean, imagine if they could revisit read, you know, and, and redo history. Like they knew Gabe Landeskog was hurting all the way through on the path to winning the cup. Could they have forecast clearly not that he was going to miss two full seasons. Had that been the case and you could put your captain on injured reserve, they would have obviously kept Nazem Kadri. So, you know, all these teams, Edmonton's been up against it all year. Somebody will have a situation. We just don't know, you know, for at least five more weeks what the reality is going to be across the league from the most successful teams. So I, I do think it's an exercise in patience. It's fun, obviously, to look at pending unrestricted free agents. But I think, I mean, Tampa has been such a bold player in making moves, um that maybe they reshape the landscape. Like maybe you're not necessarily looking at a UFA to come in. Maybe, maybe you use some of the much acquired over the last number of years, draft pick cachet that you have. Right. And, and then make a draft day deal for someone who's younger and still has a little bit of term. Like I, I, you look at what Tampa did and most people, you know, say they overpaid for like a Tanner to but I don't see it that way necessarily because you're, you're entering into certainly win-now mode. The expectations have dramatically changed from the fan base. And I have to assume that the, everybody internally feels that too. So, um, but if you can get cap-friendly deals um, to... You know, the, the, the one thing that's consistent about the league is that there's always teams willing to do other teams a favor. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, whoever wins the cup you know, even if they have to move off of certain players, they may be able to reap the benefits of it with an unlikely, you know, um, draft pick swap or whatever. So it's, it's just impossible to predict right now, but it's fun. I mean, it's, it's exciting to, to play the what if game.
0: Game one tonight, uh, Amherst and Marley's and uh, your your thoughts on this matchup, at least from the opposition standpoint here, Brian, because when we talked to Seth uh, back on Tuesday and we asked him, all right, Joseph Wall, does this mean we got to become, uh, you know, Leafs fans because you don't want him being sent down? You want others he, like and I believe Seth, when he says this, he's like, I'm not burning a calorie was kind of the way he put it. Um, what about what about the idea that Wall? Is there a big difference between Wall coming down or do we expect Shogren uh, here tonight? Of course, Wall is up with uh, the Leafs, I should say. But my, the point being, there, yeah. if Toronto wins the the Maple Leafs here, uh, if they end up losing here, Brian, how much help will be on the way for the Marlies?
2: Well, I mean, there's such a fine line. Obviously, Shogren's had time at the NHL level this year too. Um, and, and there's no, like, there are so few guarantees that just because someone comes down from an impressive run in the NHL, it doesn't always translate. I mean, we could go on and on and on with the number of, I mean, I hear it all the time. Like, for a lot of goalies, the NHL is, quote-unquote, easier because the players are better in front of them, and it's easier to read the play when you know what your team's system is and the structure that unfolds. So, I honestly don't think it would really affect the series that much. I could be a hundred percent wrong here, but I just don't see it that way. I, I, I really don't. And, um, you know, it, for me, the emphasis kind of obviously like set, um, not burning many calories looking at the Marlies. Uh, we know what they are. They've been uh, just a powerhouse in the AHL seems like for a dozen years now. And, you know, they, They've benefited from good drafting, but free agency as well. And I, I don't know. I just I love the season. The season series was close, just like it has been with you know pretty much every North Division rival over the last couple of years. And yeah, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a really good matchup to be honest with you. It's, especially with the balance that we're seeing with the Amherst right now. It, you know, I, the one thing I would say the Amherst probably need a little bit more of a push from the blue line. They they could use a little bit more offense uh, from those guys, and obviously the series was capped perfectly with Lawrence Pilot. So if you can get one defenseman, because obviously earlier in the year, we saw Jeremy Davies really lighting it up. Um, If you can get one more defenseman going, I think that would be a, you know, a huge, huge boost for them in this series.
1: Duffer, it's great hearing your voice. We really appreciate you carving out some time for us here in the sports bar. Looking forward to your call tonight with Don from Toronto and, and a great series. Now, I don't know if you're going to be in Rochester on Wednesday for game three, but if you are, don't be a stranger. We'll be there live.
2: Where are you going to be? We're going
1: to
0: be at the arena. We're doing. Uh, we're leading up. We're going to do three to seven. Right in the atrium. There with uh, Don. will be stopping All by. Right. The both assistant coaches. Seth is not allowed. By the way, we're superstitious. <laughs> Since it's not a Tuesday, we can't have Seth on. But but the door. You the door is wide open for you, Brian.
2: Okay. Okay. I I my my commitment to Don was that I will do every game of this series. Now he immediately said, "I'm not going to hold you to that." I'm like Don. Geography says. There's no reason for me not to be able to do this entire season or this series. So but I will say this, when you bring up the assistant coaches, (laughs) and you may have seen, you know, Seth's Seth's comments after the series was won, like, you know, never in doubt. I got a text from assistant coach Mike Weber after that game as well, and it was never in doubt, L O L and you know, so I just I love how they've they've kind of gone through this and, and the the beauty of it is no one cares more than these guys they are so passionate, and Mike has been that from the day he joined the Sabres organization and I know it must be agonizing for him and Michael Pecca and Seth as well to be behind the bench in those moments when you don't have the control like you do as a player. So I thought it was pretty funny because he must have been sweating like crazy as that game was unfolding, and uh, yeah, it was awesome.
1: I have a feeling Weber will be joining us. We had Pekka last year, and that was the game that they lost in overtime, the triple overtime loss to Laval to close the season. So if if Pekka joined us pregame that day, I think Pekka gets the boot, and we're probably going to talk to Weber at some point beforehand.
2: <laughs> okay, so don't tell Michael I said. Don't tell Pekka I said this, but this this will be to your benefit.
1: Having, uh, <laughs> <on the> <laughs> Have a great call tonight, Duffer. Appreciate the time, buddy. All right.
2: You you bet. We'll talk to you soon. There he is. Thanks, Brian, Brian Duff.
1: You can watch him uh, during the Sabres season on MSG, of course, with Marty Buran. You can hear him on Sabers Live every day. The one-hour show inside the Odyssey app, and hear him tonight for Game One alongside Don Stevens from Toronto. It's the Amherst and the Marlies, the North Division Finals here, your proud home of Rochester Americans hockey.
0: I don't think the Amherst should be afraid of this team at all. They they split with them in the regular season. Toronto didn't play the same schedule as the Amherst. They played more Canadian teams. The Amherst are going up against uh, Syracuse and Utica more often. I think you know, like what did I say yesterday? Amherst in three?
1: Amherst in three. Amherst in two. Amherst in two. Amherst in, two. Amherst in Gene two. with the prediction. Two. Amherst in two. Bank it! As Gino <laughs> likes to say. Uh, That was great. Love getting caught up with Duffer and looking forward to that call tonight. Again, you'll hear the action on the Fan Rochester starting at 7. Taking a break here and coming back with happy hour in the sports bar. A round of shots coming up and
0: NFL schedule morsels. Well, I've been debating because this came out earlier in the morning. I think the bill's schedule got leaked. I think because everything that's been reported up along the way, the morsels here, it all kind of fills in line with the schedule that supposedly was leaked. But we'll tell you what we know officially, and we'll kind of speculate on the rest. Coming. All right, very good. We'll take a break here and come back with more
1: next uh, NFL schedule release day here in the Sports Bar. Danger and Pataglia on the Fan Rochester